Well, good morning. Good morning. This is Coffee with Carol. And it's been a little bit since I recorded a podcast, but allergies and illness have taken my voice away and taken me out of commission for several weeks. So I decided to do something a little bit different because I realized, wow, I had never actually prepared for the possibility of not be able being able to record a podcast. So I am going to do something a little bit different over the next several weeks. I'm actually going to be reading you and adding to my book, the book that I wrote called All in Paragon, Living a Life by God's Design. So I'm going to be reading this to you, and I'm hoping that you will enjoy all of the little extras that I put in on a weekly basis. But this way I can record and bring my podcast to you every single week and get back into a rhythm and back into a habit. So I'm Coach Carol Mendoza, and I help leaders make a faith-based paradigm shift. So let's get started with the first part of my book, which is the introduction and then chapter one. I did it again. Even as I was writing this, I fell into the trap of listening to someone else's opinion and accepting it as truth. I started to put this book on hold because I felt I needed to research grammar and editing and so that everything I write is appropriate and correct. You see, someone whom I love, told me that my book was telling people what to do and that no one likes to be told what to do. They strongly suggested that I change it. I do get it, but I must decide whether I am writing it to please God or people. I tell the clients that I coach to ask themselves two questions before making any decision. Why am I doing this and whom does it serve? For a minute, I forgot my own answers to these questions. I'm writing this book because I can't keep the things that God showed me a secret. I am writing this book because God has called me to do it. I'm writing this book because I realized that if I struggle with reading the Bible and applying the biblical principles that I was taught, I bet others do too. Most of us are searching for the one thing that will bring us wealth and happiness, striving for wealth and happiness or opting out of dreaming and settling for the status quo. We say we're all in regarding our faith, our careers and our relationships. But if we truly are, why do we feel a lack of purpose and direction? Where's the peace that comes from purposeful living? That was I. And I'm realizing that it still is me. I start to doubt the things that God says and then my actions. The difference now is that I realize when I am not in alignment with God and the things that he wants for me. The uneasiness and anxiety that I feel are signals to seek him, not to retreat. Whether you consider yourself spiritual, faith-filled, religious, agnostic, or an atheist, I believe that at some point, we all wonder what purpose our lives serve. 
you can say there's no God, and I'm not here to try to convince you of it. You get to choose the things that you believe. I'm only sharing my perspective. I ask myself, isn't the development of a baby from conception to birth extraordinary? Were the laws of physics somehow different at some point in history? Does saying that we spontaneously came into existence align with scientific proof? Consider what you've been doing up until now. Is it giving you the peace and prosperity that you desire? If information regarding manifestation of wealth, success, and happiness hasn't provided you with a perfect solution, wouldn't it make sense to consider something new? Here's what I know from my own personal experience. When we try to do it on our own and within our own strength and our own limitations, we have little chance of success. God says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace. That's Matthew eleven twenty nine. the message. Instead of rejecting the Bible because of its religious aspects, I began to read it as if it were a personal development guide or manual. And once I started reading it this way, the words spoke to me differently. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that our life is not our own. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your eyes and your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And furthermore, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is even more specific. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Jesus Christ. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, no, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus, to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. I am writing this book in obedience to the one who created me. I'm writing this to serve you, the reader. I am writing this to change lives and make a difference. And my prayer is that the words are God's words written, written through me, and that in my boldness and authenticity, he shines his light on your path so that you can live by his design. I want to encourage you to take the time to pray before you start embracing any of these ideas and suggestions. I am, after all, a human opinion. Allow God to show you what you need and where you can grow and change. Chapter 1. 
Are you living by the world's design or God's design? I love to listen to the ocean waves coming in on the shore, the gentle lapping of the water as it comes in and the pause as the next wave gently comes behind it. At first, the pause is almost unrecognizable, but it's there. It's a soft slowing of the waves. This slow and steady rhythm calms the spirit. I think the answer to every question can be found in the pause. Sometimes it's a whisper, barely noticeable, and other times it's long and intense. Taking time to pause, listen, and ask God's opinion before deciding or moving forward with an idea guides us to everything good. Deuteronomy 30, 8 through 11 says this, and you will make a new start, listening obediently to God, keeping all his commandments that I'm commanding you today. God, your God, will outdo himself in making things go well for you. You'll have babies, get calves, grow crops, and enjoy an all-around good life. Yes, God will start enjoying you again, making things go well for you, just as he enjoyed doing it for your ancestors. But only if you listen obediently to your God, your God, and keep the commandments and regulations written in this book of Revelation. Nothing half-hearted here. You must return to God, your God, totally heart and soul, holding nothing back. This commandment that I am commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest. Just do it. My parents were members of the Dutch Reformed Church of Rhinebeck in Rhinebeck, New York. And as a child, I attended Sunday school as well as church services. At about the age of 13, I confirmed my belief in Jesus Christ. Most people would say that I had a relationship with God from an early age. What I realized is that it was more of an acquaintance than a true relationship. Over time, I've learned that relationships take touching, talking, and time. And sometimes we do one thing more than we do the others, but all three parts are necessary. If one aspect is left out, the relationship is more superficial than intimate. This is also true of our relationship with God. We need to talk to him, give him, give him our time and touch and feel his spirit. As I look back, I realized that my relationship with God was a bit shallow. At various times in my walk with God, I let go of touching, talking to, and time with him. It wasn't intentional, yet when we live a life that's designed by the world, it inevitably reinforces the thinking that we're supposed to be in control, solve our own problems, and think independently of everyone, including God. Since birth, we've learned to solve problems and overcome challenges. From the moment that we begin exploring our ability to make sounds, our parents speak to us with affirmation and encouragement. We hear, you can do it. In fact, early childhood development 
those experts in early childhood development urge us to foster an environment of independence, which inspires the characteristics of self-reliance and problem solving. I remember sitting in my college teacher's education classes and hearing that my job as an educator was to shape the students to think on their own and discover the answers for themselves. When we're little and we can't tie our shoes, we're encouraged by our parents that we can do it. We may need to try a little harder. We practice until we get it. In school, our teachers give us the same type of reassurance, telling us that we can solve problems and sort things out. We grow up thinking that we must figure it out as we go. We're taught to weigh the pros and cons and come up with a plan. The interesting thing is that God doesn't say this. In fact, he tells us that he has it figured out and that he will, as in Isaiah 52, 12, go ahead of us. It's funny uh, the way that we've reversed this process. I think the conflict begins at birth. If God is our source, why do we teach our children to do things without him? Why do we encourage an independent thinking that forces them to rely on their own abilities and ideas? Why aren't we redirecting all their problems and the solving of all their problems back to God and teaching them to be 100% dependent on him? I turn to God to help me with certain situations and issues, but not with everything. I either felt capable of handling specific things on my own, or I believed that I should handle them on my own. I said I was following God, but instead I was following the world. I attended church services and proclaimed my reliance on God. And then I turned and listened to people. I used the Bible as a reference instead of a guide. I believed what the scientists and educators said about human development, and I applied it to every aspect of my personal and professional journey. I rarely took time to pause and get God's opinion first. So who actually is taught to get God's opinion, right? I mean, we're not taught. What does that look like? Getting God's opinion is as simple as uh, seeking the word for every question or idea that comes to your mind, pausing and stopping to consult the creator before you move forward. And it isn't just prayer. We start there, but if we just pray, then I really see that as like, if you ask someone a question, but before you give them a chance to answer, you turn around and you walk out of the room. God speaks to us in many ways. Absolutely. I know that the Holy Spirit is in us and he speaks to us in many ways. But until we have 100% absorbed his word into our minds and our minds are completely renewed with that, we still hold worldly beliefs that can contradict his truth. And we may not even realize that it contradicts. So we need to get into the word to make sure that we're on the right track and we're in, a, in retirement, in, um, in retirement, in alignment. Um, and that brings me to my next point. I, I was, was thinking about retirement and um, retirement income and my retirement account and things like that. And as a worldly belief, 
Retirement is good. Um, if we have a strong and healthy investment portfolio, that's a great thing, right? And if we're going to get more with just another year of staying in that employment, that's a good thing. So maybe we want to do that, right? So in theory, retirement is not a bad thing. However, when I took and went and asked God what his opinion was on retirement, what he said to me was, listen, girl, I want to be your entire provision. I want to be your future income. I want you to rely on me for your future, not some worldly retirement. I want you to focus on me. I want you to think that I am your provision, that whatever's in your retirement account, I can give you hundreds of thousands of dollars more, but you need to follow me. You need to be in alignment with me and you need to do what I tell you to do. So for me, it was letting go of that certainty, right? And moving into something that was totally uncertain. But this is why faith is so important because in his word in Hebrews, he tells us that without faith, we cannot please God. We cannot please him. Now, I'm not telling you this so that you go and quit your job tomorrow. <laughs> Please don't do that. I'm just telling you this because God will speak to you through his word and give you direction and guidance. So don't make decisions based upon what you think you know, but make decisions based upon what his word actually says to you. That's how pausing, taking your thoughts, ideas, and questions, and asking the Holy Spirit, and then seeking it in his word, looking it up and seeking it is what makes the difference. This is the end of chapter one, and I will be back again with chapter two. Remember, God does the how, and you do the do. Make it a great day. <laughs>